Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Janet and Greg. Enjoy. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I'm assuming that's on. Hi, family. So glad to see you and be with you. Hello, my friends that are online. Usually I'm chatting with you. I'm just going to be chatting with you this way. Um, I was excited to, to talk about hope. Uh, our topic that we've been going through is, is hope, in, um, and today's is hope in difficult and broken relationships. So uh, we're part of the human race, right? Everybody in here? Any of you ever had a damaged relationship? Really? Only a few of you. Wow. Okay. Well, enough of you that I feel comfortable because I have to. And uh, I have the privilege of getting to serve in a ministry here called Celebrate Recovery. And we, some of the people in Celebrate Recovery are here, yes. We operate in hope, right? Because, uh, in fact, there's, there's a t-shirt that some uh, have that says, uh, I used to be a dope dealer, now I'm a hope dealer, right? <laughs> so we're hope dealers in Celebrate Recovery. We love that. Uh, because hope is one of those things that helps us change. And uh, so another thing that we say is... Uh, I'm not sure who's beeping me. Uh, Another thing we say in in Celebrate Recovery is that change is possible because actually we come into recovery for that. We're looking for life change. We've tried it on our own. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, sometimes it's drugs and alcohol, but lots of times it's broken relationships, it's anger, it's other kinds of um, damaging uh, behaviors or thinking patterns, that kind of thing. And we're looking for life change. And so we say change is possible, but... You, if you want change to happen, you have to be the change, right? You can't wait for other people to change before you're happy. So uh, change is possible, but you get to go first. So that's what we say. Change is possible, go first. Um, Now, anybody learn during the pandemic, anybody pick up a new skill, learn something new while you were stuck inside, that kind of thing? No. I, I decided that, I, I love to cook anyway, but I decided that I was going to learn some new skills, and I took some baking classes and uh, all of that kind of thing. But um, in order to learn a new skill, you know, you have, you have to get some instructions, and usually you have to get some tools. Well, this, for, for our relationships, this is the instruction manual, and there's some tools in here. And we teach those tools in Celebrate Recovery, so you're going to get a little Celebrate Recovery language here, but... Uh, This last week, I was up in uh, Kirkland, Washington, watching my seven-year-old granddaughter, and uh, for about five days while my kids took a little vacation, and so we decided we were going to learn a new skill, and we baked cookies together and that kind of thing, but we were going to learn how to do royal icing. Anybody in here a royal icing-like pro? Because, oh my gosh, I saw a hand. I, like, (laughs) I'm amazed. This is what we were going for, right? 
this is what royal icing can look like, this little cookie. Um, and uh, these are the kinds of cookies that you see in bakeries that cost you $4 or whatever. And they're very intricate and they're very detailed and they have this beautiful, smooth, slick royal icing. And this is not our cookie. Uh, <laughs> this is not what it looked like. But you know what? We were hopeful that we could learn. And we watched our instructions. We had videos. We watched our instructions. And we got the right ingredients. We had to get new piping bags. We got the tools. We got all that stuff. And then uh, this is what the kitchen looked like in the middle of the process. I don't know if you can see that, but it is a giant mess. It is absolutely a, a, a disaster. And sometimes, you know, when we try new things, it gets a little messy in the learning part, right? Um, Trying new things, even with relationships, trying to learn new ways to communicate, trying to learn new ways to get along with people and to repair relationships. You know, relationships can get messy. People are a little messy. It can be a little messy in the middle, but it does get better. No judgment here. These cookies do not exactly look like what we were going for, but um, they were far from perfect. Our, our cookies were far from perfect. Um, but they, uh, they didn't measure up. They didn't look exactly like the other ones. Uh, there they are. Aww. <laughs> Thank you. There's a little encouragement. You know, they, they, they weren't a total disaster. And you know what? They weren't beautiful. and They weren't ready for prime time. But actually, they were delicious. And we enjoyed eating them. There's a picture of us eating them together. We thoroughly enjoyed the results of our labor. And then after uh, the kitchen was all cleaned up, the seven-year-old was all cleaned up and put in bed, I got to go out and sit on the deck and enjoy the peace of the lake, the sunset going down on the lake. And I got to just sit and go, you know what? It wasn't perfect, but that was OK. There's a learning curve. It was a little bit messy. But I kind of have some confidence to try again. I learned some new tools. I tried it. I went first. And now I'm looking forward. I'm actually looking forward to trying it again. So that's what hope is like. Hope is looking forward. It's forward moving. It's forward looking. Because it's anchored in a future that is more preferable than what we're experiencing right now in the present, right? It's anchored into a preferred outcome, either in a situation that could change, a relationship that changed, our health could change. We're hoping that that future that we're looking forward to is going to be preferred and it's going to be more desirable. And so when we get to that place where we can actually hope in that, it actually keeps us from being stuck. We're not stuck in the past. We're not stuck in where we're at. We actually feel like we can move forward. And so when we start moving forward emotionally, then actually we start to think, well, I could actually move forward in action as well. So um, I want to tell you that I can stand here and I can tell you that there is hope for personal restoration. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later because I have experienced the hope of God and restoration. So another thing I like to say is the kingdom of God is the kingdom of right relationships. So if we are the family of God and we're living as the, fam as the children of God, well, then we're doing, our family values are that we love God, right, vertically. We love him and we accept his love and we, that love flows through us and we're loving others and others are loving us, and it's all great. It's all right relationships. Well, this has all the instructions for how to do that. But if you've picked up the Bible at any point, 
you might find that there's a lot of relationships that don't look like that. <laughs> this little book is full of all kinds of messed up people and messed up relationships, right? But So there are the tools for living right and living healthy and having healthy relationships to begin with. There's also the instructions and the tools for how to fix it. So how do we get so messed up? Let's go back to the very beginning, the very first uh, relationship that was ever recorded, first few chapters of Genesis. You all probably are familiar with the story. Creator God, God creates this beautiful, beautiful place. He creates this wonderful garden. He creates a beautiful earth and everything that we see, know, taste, smell, enjoy, right? And he creates man. He creates woman as a companion for man, as a partner, puts them in this beautiful garden, and they have absolutely everything that they need to thrive, right? They have everything they need to eat. They, uh, they're completely at, um, at ease with one another. They're, uh, I would say they're comfortable in their own skin, which is really what they're comfortable in because they're not wearing clothes, and they are, um, they are naked and unashamed. They are completely um, safe with each other. They have intimacy with each other. They have intimacy with God. God kind of hangs out with them in the garden, and they kind of chill and talk to each other. They have productive work to do. They have everything that they need for a perfect environment. And God gives them free will. I always say to new believers, so here's the good news. You have free will. Here's the bad news. You have free will, right? <laughs> because that free will, mm, it's tricky right there. Um, and so he gives them free will because God doesn't want us to be robots. He wants people to choose to love him, to choose to love, to choose to be healthy, and to be in relationship with him. So there's a fourth character, of course, and that is the serpent or Satan, who is the enemy of God. Therefore, he's our enemy as well. Uh, God loves us, and if he can hurt us, he knows he can hurt God. So you know, the serpent uh, is wily, and he's, he's tricky, and he's deceitful, and he's a liar. And all he has to do is sort of plant a few seeds in Eve's mind about the character of God. You know, a little doubt, like, is God really good? Is God really safe? Is he really faithful? And, I mean, really, you could be independent. You could call your own shots. You're an adult, right? I know... As an adult, I like to call my own shots and make my own plans and figure it all out myself. I guess I know where I got it. Um, but uh, so he kind of says, you know, you, you could live independently. And she kind of thinks that, hmm, sounds good. So she takes the bait and she takes the bite, right? And then she hands it to Adam. Adam takes a bite. You know, here's that thing about advice. Have you ever given anybody bad advice? Have you ever taken bad advice? Like, like Adam taking this advice from Eve, like, has anybody ever said, oh, come on, it's going to be great. Just do it once. We'll just do it once. It's going to be cool. It'll be so cool. Let's just try it, right? He takes that, that kind of advice. So she gives bad advice. He takes bad advice. The serpent's kind of lurking around going, I think this is going to work out good for me until the consequences get handed out, of course, and God finds them. Um, and, of course, when God finds them, he actually has to go find them because now they're not just hanging out. They don't go find God when they've made a mistake. Now they're hiding. They're, they, they're, they're all hiding, and, and, and God comes in. They want to throw blame. So first, Adam says, 
well, you know, God, it's your fault. It's your fault, God. You gave me this woman, right? <laughs> That's fair. She says, well, uh, uh, oh, hold on. It's not my fault. It's the serpent's fault. He, just, he tricked me. He lied to me, right? So, but the truth is, no one is innocent here. And in the book of James 1, 14 to 15, it says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away, right? Just drag us away like a hook in the mouth. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So Adam and Eve really found out that, that uh, independence from God really does not bring freedom. It brings bondage. They now had shame and guilt. They'd lost the intimacy with each other. They'd lost the intimacy with God. They'd lost trust. Uh, they had trust issues. There's a lot of sad consequences that, that come and are, you know, are down through the generations. We're still dealing with them today. Good news is God has a rescue plan. He has that plan. He's always had that plan to rescue humanity and bring back into relationship. So he's got, you know, all these Old Testament laws for restitution. You know, you steal something, you got to pay it back. You kill somebody's animal, you got to get them a new animal. So there's all that way to deal with sin between uh, people. But if the sin is against God, then there's a different penalty that has to be paid. And that's where we see that temple sacrifice where the animal is sacrificed, the, the blood is spread on the altar, and it temporarily deals with man's sin and puts uh, sinful man back into relationship with God. But it points to the ultimate sacrifice and the ultimate payment that Jesus makes for us. And of course, we're in Lent, we're in that season where we're moving toward Easter, where we celebrate that, that pinnacle of our Christian faith, which says um, that the, the blood of Jesus, because he is God, he came and he solved it 100% for us because we could not do it on our own. He comes in the form of man. He li lives a sinful, sin sinless life, and he sacrifices himself. And that puts in play that ultimate um, uh, reconciliation of man to God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So one of the tools that we see, and one of the tools that we're going to talk about using, the first one is forgiveness. Now, I'm going to see if I can see this right. I asked Pastor Mike. Um, in the Greek, the word forgiveness is afiemi, afiemi. And it means to send away, to dismiss, to let go of. And this is for our sin. It's for the sin against us. And it's for even for our own sinful responses to sin. Psalm 103, I think, yeah, I think you're... That's a little ahead. Psalm 103 says, um, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. And we sing this, don't we? As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That's something that we can celebrate. He sends that sin away from us. So we see that we get to receive forgiveness, but we also have to give forgiveness. And in Scripture, we find out that, that offering forgiveness and giving forgiveness to others is not just a suggestion. It's actually commanded. So we read in, the, in Matthew 6, we do the Lord's Prayer, and we say, 
you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then just a few verses later, just in case you didn't catch it, he says it again, Jesus says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ouch. And there's a lot of things in Scripture that are a little muddy and a little hard to hear, a little hard to figure out. That's pretty clear. And then Matthew 18, there's another whole chapter of how to deal with sin between brothers in the church. Peter saying, well, how many times do I have to forgive? Really, seven should be enough, right? And Jesus saying, the 70 times seven is really like stop counting, keep forgiving. And then there's a parable of the unmerciful servant that just kind of parallels this. If you receive mercy, but you're not willing to give it, it doesn't go well with you and God. So now we get to forgiveness. We see that it means to send away, to dismiss, to let go. We see that it's commanded. And another thing about forgiveness we see is that it's a one-sided choice. It's a decision of the will. I make a choice. I choose to to, um, forgive. And Jesus, even in the middle of when he was being tortured, he was hanging on the cross in horrific pain, Even in the middle of that, he chooses in the middle of that to forgive. He doesn't wait, right? He says, Father, forgive them. They don't get it. They don't know what they're doing. And so forgiveness can can flow immediately. It's empowered by grace. The good news is we don't have to do this in our own strength. We have the Holy Spirit to help us and to guide us and to empower us in grace. And we are the ones who get set free. Now, when we offer forgiveness to someone, it is true that they may feel more freedom if there's conversation and there's connection with that, but they don't have to respond at all for us to be the ones set free when we offer forgiveness, because what we get set free from is holding on to that IOU. You owe me. You hurt me. I need you to pay me back. I need you to make this right. And I'm not going to be happy until you do. Right? That's, we're the ones in bondage. Do you know, sometimes we're holding on to pain that was caused by someone who's not even alive anymore. And a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a coach, who we're not in relationship with at, with at all. And yet that pain and that hurt is still there. And that person is still, we're allowing them to have impact in our lives and cause us to be unhappy and bound up. So we are the ones who get set free. God says, hey, revenge, don't be taking revenge, right? He says, vengeance is mine. I am the just judge. We don't, we're not very, when we judge, we don't judge very objectively because, you know, our, we only have our perspective, right? We're the ones who've been hurt and all of that, but God is this wonderfully objective uh, judge, and he judges justly, and he sees what's happened, and he says, I'll take care of the payment. I've seen it. You can trust me. He says he'll repay. So that's some things about what forgiveness is. We also have to understand what forgiveness is not, right? There's some things that it's not. It's not when we choose to forgive someone, we're not saying it was okay that they hurt us or they betrayed us or they cheated us or they stole from us, right? We're, not, we're also not waiting until we have warm, fuzzy feelings and feel like forgiving, 
It's not saying, I'm all over this. I've, I'm over it, man. I, I, can, I just feel all warm and fuzzy, and I can forgive you. That's, we're not saying that it's that. You might get to that place, but you don't have to in order to, to forgive. We're not saying it didn't happen. We're not saying it didn't matter. We're not saying God wasn't aware of it or that he didn't care. And another important thing about when we offer forgiveness, it is not a guarantee that that uh, um, relationship is going to be restored. In fact, you know, there's sometimes when it is absolutely not appropriate for the reconciliation and that relationship to be restored. In cases where there's been abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, uh, in toxic relationships, sometimes it's, it's very appropriate that we keep boundaries and keep separate. But that doesn't mean that we can't choose to forgive. It's just that when we say that we're going to forgive them, it doesn't mean that we have to go back into close relationship with them. So let's look at another relationship from the Bible, another story. It's a little bit easier for us to understand. It's one that we're pretty familiar with. Uh, It's from Luke. It's the story of the lost son, or we might call it the prodigal son, right? And so here we have a kind of a typical family. Yeah, we don't know where the mom is, but there's a single dad with two boys. How many of you know that two kids, even the same gender, can grow up in the same family, same DNA, and have completely different personalities, right? Why can't you be like your brother, right? I, I was the black sheep in my family. I was the youngest, and I had these two perfect, a sister and brother who just did everything right and were perfectly compliant and straight-A students and all of that. And, you know, the teachers would say to my mom when they would go to the, she'd go to their conferences, why can't she be like her sister, her brother? I just wasn't, you know, it's okay. Anyway, um, we set the scene. We have these two brothers. We have the good one, responsible, the older brother, responsible, good, solid, right? And then we've got the younger brother, and he's kind of a pain, right? Sounds like he's a little bit rebellious. He's a little bit maybe spoiled. There's probably been some sibling rivalry as we're growing up, right? Like, he's your favorite. No, he's not, that kind of thing. And finally, this kid decides, you know what? I'm not, I don't, I don't want to live here anymore. I'm getting old enough. I want to go out on my own. He asks for his portion of the uh, inheritance, which uh, in Jewish tradition he would not be getting at that point. But he says, I want, you know, give me my, my part of the, of the farm, Dad, and I'm out of here. And you know what? Sometimes there's a break in relationship like that. And actually, sometimes we have to let people go. There are times, as much as it breaks our heart, and I'm sure in this case the father's heart was broken, But there's times, sometimes you have to let people go because they have to find on their own journey, they have to deal with consequences, and they have to find out that the consequences of their own decisions actually didn't work out so well. You know, a hardship can be a pretty good teacher, um, and it can lead to repentance. So we're going to pick up in Luke 15. I'm going to pick up in the middle here where um, the, the young man has taken his money and he's gone off to a far land and he's absolutely wasted it on riotous living, you know, sexual immorality and and all of that. He wastes it. He runs out of money. And about the time he runs out of money, there's a famine. Now he doesn't have food. He has to hire himself out to a farmer who has him feeding pigs, which is not a good thing for a young Jewish boy. He doesn't want to hang out with the pigs. But um, 
he's so hungry that he, he wants the slop and the refuge and the garbage that they're feeding the pigs, but nobody gives him anything to eat. So here's where he finally comes to his senses. It says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have, an, have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as your hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him, and his son said to him, he's got his rehearsed like apology here, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he, and he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so now the party began, right? So um, this, in, this is tool number two in celebrate recovery. We would call this making amends. This is where we receive forgiveness and then we offer forgiveness. And we call it the making of amends or asking for forgiveness. And so you see that first we have to come to our senses, right? We have a good dose of reality and say, uh, this is not working. This guy turns around. Repentance means we turn around and we go in the opposite direction. And that's exactly what he does. He turns around. He says, I, I am in a mess because of my own choices. This is not working. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm turning around, and I'm going back to my father. That's repentance. He sees his own part of it. He admits his own fault. He recognizes and acknowledges that there's been hurt caused. He says, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I can't go back and ask dad to just like take me back and say, oh, okay, fine. Can't do that. He recognizes that there's been damage done. And he really doesn't have any expectation that this relationship is going to be fully restored. And when we offer our amends, when we are making amends and we're offering forgiveness for harm that we might have done, we have to be very careful that we don't have unrealistic expectations of how someone else is going to respond to that. Because we have to allow them, they have been hurt, they have been damaged, they, we have to allow them to have their own feelings and their own responses. That can't um, keep us from making the amends and asking for forgiveness. You know, actually having unrealistic expectations for ourselves and for others, that causes a lot of hurt in relationships just by itself. So we, he recognizes that this might not get restored. But you know, the Father goes further than forgiveness, Right? 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, right? It has a, a, a line in it that says, love keeps no record of wrongs. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And so we see that this father was watching and hoping and waiting. You can see, you know, from far off he saw that the sun was coming, and God is the same way for us. You know, when we're far from God, when we're off doing our own thing, or we're actually going in the opposite direction, he is still watching and waiting and hoping. His eyes are on us. He is for us. So this father goes one step further, and this word is katalage. And that in the Greek is the word for um, reconciliation. So that means it's the process of bringing things together, bringing back together. 
And um, where we saw that forgiveness was one-sided, katalage and reconciliation actually requires both parties to participate. Both of them have to decide to um, maybe, you know, we talk about reconciling our differences. Both have to decide to maybe meet halfway. We go from being back-to-back to actually turning and facing one another and deciding, let's see if we can't find a way that we get a little closer. Um, the, this is a big deal in our society today, right? We hear the word reconciliation all the time because we need it so badly. We need reconciliation gen- in genders, in, with races, with political parties, with, with countries, for goodness sake. Um, it's a big deal to find two parties who are um, at odds with each other to try to turn toward each other and find a way to move closer. So in our story, um, and it also restores from a state of being enemies to being friends, uh, having favor with with one another. So we see in our story that the father runs to his son, he interrupts the apology, he smothers him with hugs and kisses, and he completely, he goes beyond forgiveness. He's not standing there in the back like going like this, here he comes again. I've heard this before. How many times have I had to hear this? Here he comes. He's not like that. He's like, my son, I'm so glad. He throws his arm around him, and he brings him back into full restoration of of the family. So he puts the robe on him. He puts the family signet ring on him. And, you know, I love in Scripture where it says that Jesus puts his robe of righteousness on us, right? We don't. We don't have to have that righteousness on our own. He covers us with his robe of righteousness. It's a free gift. And that's what this father does. He brings this son back into family relationship. And then he causes a big celebration. And, you know, these parables, there's the lost sheep, there's the lost coin, there's the lost son. We see that heaven celebrates with us. It's not just that we celebrate. Heaven is celebrating when one lost son is found and brought back to life, right? So back to our story. Um, let me find my next slide. We're going to go past reconciliation. Um, and we see that his father said to him, oops, hang on. We've got to go to the older brother. There's one more person here, the older brother. The older brother's out in the fields. He's working. He comes back in, and he's, as he's coming in from work, he hears all this music and dancing and all this stuff going on. He asks the servant, what the heck is going on? The servant says, oh, hey, your brother's back. We're throwing a party. Dad's so happy. He cleaned everything up. He killed the calf. We're having barbecue. I mean, this is a big party. And the brother's like, really? Really? Because the older brother was, Luke 15, 28 to 29, the older brother was angry, and he wouldn't go in. His father comes out and he begs him, but he replied, the brother says, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you've told me to. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering, and it's your son, this son of yours, it's not my brother, right? I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, this, uh, he's dead to me, right? The son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father says, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. 
We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So, you know, the older brother is here in a place where he has rehearsed this pain over and over and over. He's held on to the the damage that the son has done. And, you know, we can't be too hard on the older brother because this younger brother, he broke his father's heart. He took the money. He caused all this damage. He probably left the older son with all the work to do. I mean, there was true damage done, but he's rehearsed it, and he's held on to it, and there's some resentment there. He refuses to forgive or even give give the younger brother a chance to prove that he's changed. And unforgiveness is an attitude that robs us of hope, and it keeps us prisoners of the pain. That unforgiveness locks that pain in our hearts, and it makes it hard for us to move up forward, and guess what? He misses out on the joy. As I said, the party is going on, and, and he's missing out because he's still stuck. He needs healing, but this is called, this can be called a root of bitterness. Hebrews 12:15 says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by many it becomes defiled. You know, this kind of thing is subtle. Resentment just it can be cold and it can be buried and it can, it can be sort of masked, but it leaks out. You know, our pain leaks out. Our unresolved issues leak out when we think we've got a lid on them. And, and that kind of resentment can leak out into um, a family, like yeast in a, in a dough, right? It can permeate that. It can damage a family. It can damage um, a workplace. It can damage a, a community of faith. It can, can, it can damage a whole community um, because it leaks out and it says it defiles many. So we have to be very, very careful that we don't let that root of bitterness um, take place. But the father's heart, see, the father's heart is not any different for this son who is unforgiving than it is for the son who is in rebellion. The father loves this son completely and ultimately, just like he loves the son in rebellion. And his, father, his heart is for him, and he says, my dear, dear son, nothing can separate you from my love. You aren't going to lose anything. You don't lose anything by forgiving your brother. Our relationship is intact. Everything I have is yours. Um, the father in this story, of course, is God. And, you know, we can sometimes see ourselves as both sons. Sometimes we're the son who's gone off to do their own thing, out doing their own thing, in rebellion a bit, far off from God, have caused some pain, have damaged some relationships, and we're in the need of forgiveness and mercy. Sometimes we see ourselves in the older brother. I know that um, in my own life, in our life, my husband and I walked through a really, really, really dark and broken time in our marriage about 10 years ago, over 10 years ago now. Um, And it was devastating, and it was painful on both sides. We were in great pain. And um, I was that older brother for a while. It was like, this hurts too much. I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can forgive. But you know what? We were in um, a safe community right here. We were surrounded by people who led us to God, who pointed us to the Father, who believed in us and loved us, and loved us back into relationship. And so when I tell you that there's hope for restored relationships, I mean there's hope. Um, through, 
sorry. Um, God, you know, because of, because of the heart of the Father, he offers us that complete forgiveness. We can receive forgiveness for what we've done. We can offer forgiveness um, for, um, for, you know, ask for forgiveness for what we've done. We can receive forgiveness and give it. And he offers reconciliation to put us back in complete and good standing. But, you know, wait a minute. Didn't we talk about reconciliation having to have two sides doing something? If I'm going to be fully reconciled with God, don't I have to do something? Isn't there my part? The good news is, not with God. He's done it all. He does both sides for us, right? He, um, he has accomplished both sides. Um, and uh, hang on. Get get moving here. The reason there's hope for broken relationships is because it's all by grace. It's a free gift. We accept that salvation. We accept that forgiveness by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For it's grace that you have been saved. It's by grace, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to, good, to do good works, which God has prepared for us to do. And we are reconciled. He also has done the full job of reconciliation because it says in 2 Corinthians, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, which means... We get to be part of that reconciliation. We are reconciled to God, and then we, as the people of God, get to operate in that ministry of reconciliation and pass it on. That's our role to, to continue, and that's my, my emphasis on that slide. As the, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of right relationships, like I said, we're pursuing peace, right? When we live from the identity of the family of God, when we know that whether we're on either side of needing forgiveness to give or to, to take, um, we are deeply loved, fully forgiven, and accepted. We are empowered by grace to pursue healing and peace in our relationships and to pass that peace on to others. So Galatians 5.22 says, peace is a fruit of the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. Matthew 5.9 says, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the children of God. That's us. Romans 12, 18 says, as far as you are able, if at all possible, live at peace with everyone. And Hebrews 12 says, strive for peace with everyone. So there is hope. Our hope for restoration is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He is our living hope. And because of Jesus, change is possible, and we can go first. Uh, we're going to have a time of ministry, the band, I'm, I think. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come back. Uh, when we look at things like this, I asked you at the very beginning, if any of you had broken relationships or damaged relationships? And maybe, maybe there's someone's my, uh, face or name or a situation that kind of floated up to the surface for you there. Um, maybe in, this, in these stories you might you might recognize that you've been far off from God and you've never really even understood that you could be in close and intimate relationship with, with God through the power of Jesus Christ and that you're ready to turn your life uh, over to the care and control of Jesus. Is there anybody 
today who's never heard that they could be completely loved and accepted and reconciled to God, who'd like to make that decision today. Turn your life over to the care and control of Jesus Christ. It's a free, free gift through faith in Jesus. Okay, would you stand with me, congregation? Because there are some uh, words for prayer that will be up on the, on the um, screen. We're going to take some time and we're going to think about um, maybe you, you recognize that you um, are that one who's been out doing your own thing. You've been in rebellion. Maybe you know that you've caused some harm and that there's a, a relationship that you would like prayer for that you need to restore. Maybe you're the one, like I was, in the middle of pain, in the middle of such a difficult circumstance that you just don't even know if you're ever going to be able to forgive. And the best thing I can say for that is if you just be open. Just say, God, I can't do it right now. I'm hurting too bad. I'm too angry. I'm too upset. I'm too hurt. But I'm open. I can't change my heart, but you can. And I want the freedom and I want the joy that comes from being released in forgiveness. And so maybe that's a place for you to ask for prayer. There, we have a ministry team who's available for you. Um, there are people around the, the, the uh, sanctuary as well. If you would like prayer for any part of restoration and relationship, please don't wait. I'll come back and dismiss us in a minute.
restore us to joy, to freedom, the joy and the abundant life that you purchased for us on the cross. That is what you designed us to know and to live in. Father, I ask that you would just bless the group as we go, that you would continue the work that you're doing in hearts, that you would continue to um, encourage people to walk in forgiveness, to know the freedom and the joy that comes from reconciliation with you and with others. God, we just ask your blessing on uh, each and every heart that you would minister hope because you are our blessed hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Thank you, church. Come forward if you want some prayer. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.